the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Good afternoon, folks. Right now, it is 12, it's, excuse me, 106, 106 on this Thursday, September 16th. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, which is dipetro.com. This portion of the program, folks, is brought to you by Competition Shooting Supplies. They have everything you need. Hey, folks, as you can see, the southern border, it's an invasion right now. Caravan sale going on. Competition Shooting Supplies, firearms, ammunition, accessories. Call our leader, John Francis, 401-727-1716. And maybe right now, are you looking to possibly... Sell some firearms. One of our listeners recently had a family member that passed away, and he had, from what I understand, quite a gun collection. So they brought them in, and I think some of them are sold in consignment. Otherwise, John Francis bought out some of them. But competition shooting supplies, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket now, Pawtucket. I received an email from someone said, Juan, I was riding up and down Benefit Street in Providence, and I couldn't find it. Well, that's because they're in Pawtucket. You're going to be riding back and forth all day. No, you take the last exit, uh, exit 2A, exit 2A in Rhode Island off of 95. You're going to drive past the Attleboro train station. Think of 2A as in Second Amendment. Past the Attleboro train station. And then when you get to the intersection of Benefit Street and Newport Avenue, you just hang the left. It's right there. Competition, shooting supplies, firearms, ammunition, accessories. Our leader, John Francis, the guy is the best. And he runs a very up-to-date Facebook page. He'll update you with a lot of the new things that he has in. Stop in and see them. Folks, uh, you often hear me mention the website, dipetro.com. You can always listen online at our website, dipetro.com. This portion of the program is brought to you by, and again, there's a link to it at the website, dipetro.com. It's Endzone Sports Pub. 960 Menden Road in Cumberland. I watched the Patriots game there on Sunday. It was great. Great crowd. Uh, friendly crowd. Dana does a wonderful job. It's clean. Friendly place. Family owned. Karaoke Friday, Saturday nights. They have the NFL ticket. And if you're unfamiliar with the NFL ticket, all the NFL games, whenever somebody gets inside the 20-yard line, the, end, the red zone, they call it, suddenly the cameras go to that. A lot of people don't like like a long drive they just want to see if there's going to be some scoring it's also obviously perfect you know if you're in fantasy football or for betting or anything like that um and uh, limited food as well but they do have some food stop up and see them all right i want to get to them and i mentioned this last hour but i thought it was pretty interesting last night that tucker carlson uh i thought he made a very good point in defending Nicki minaj who is under fire under attack Normally, it's someone we've never discussed, but she um, she was basically just asking about the vaccine and relaying story told to her. She also went to the Met Gala and then didn't stay because she had not been vaccinated. So Tucker came to her defense. And I just want to play some of this right now. Carlson, tonight, who knew, who could have guessed that rapper Nicki Minaj would turn out to be one of the bravest people in the United States? A couple of days ago, we... 
you would guess. Most people watch the show may not have heard of Nicki Minaj. And then she tweeted about the COVID vaccine. She didn't come out against the vaccines. She merely said that as an adult and an American, she should decide whether or not to take the vaccine. Pray about it, she said. Don't be bullied. Things blew up from there. No praying about it. You must submit to being bullied. Those are the new rules. Nicki Minaj wasn't aware of that, and she resisted, and she's still resisting. It's a long and interesting story. There's implications for all of us, and Trace Gallagher has agreed tonight to frame it for us, to set it up, to tell us what's going on. And here he is. Hey, Trace. Hey, Tucker. The controversy stems from Nicki Minaj telling her fans she would only get the COVID vaccine once she did enough research, and she recommended her fans do the same. And here's the tweet most people focused on, quoting here, My cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied. Well, Tucker then talked talked about that tweet last night and today Nicki Minaj retweeted this clip watch it's Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's testicles who are swollen from taking the vax that's the claim but it's not anything to do with the physical effect of the vaccine that makes our political class mad it's the last part of Nicki Minaj's tweet that enrages them the part where she says you should prey on it make the decision yourself like a free human being and quote don't be bullied so our media and public health officials didn't like this because they make their livings bullying people so they couldn't let it stand of course the haters came out of the woodwork attacking minaj tucker and this show minaj was also criticized by msnbc's joy reed watch that you have 22 million followers on Twitter. For you to use your platform to encourage our community to not protect themselves and save their lives, my God, sister, you could do better than that. Minaj responded to Reed saying, quote, this is what happens when you're so thirsty to down another black woman by the request of the white man that you didn't bother to read all of my tweets. Minaj went on to say she never told anyone not to get the shot just to learn more about it. And she's right. She told her fans to wear a mask and to get the shot if they had to work but now she says she's in twitter jail writing in part quoting again i'm in twitter jail y'all they didn't like what i was saying over there on that block asking questions is okay i like being effing dumb then boom can't tweet she also went on instagram live people will turn their back on you not agreeing but people will isolate you if you simply speak and ask a question y'all don't see what the is happening and i'm seeing black women on twitter black women i follow acting like this is funny (laughs) no i ain't gonna lie i had a lot of fun yesterday and a lot of laughs But black women, are y'all forgetting there was a time not too long ago where you couldn't even make eye contact with people? And you're okay with 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 what's happening? We're no longer even allowed, just allowed to voice our opinions or to ask questions. Now here's the here's the here's what's interesting. What's interesting is 
So many of your favorite artists feel this way, but they're afraid to speak up. And I can't blame them. Look at what they just did. I will never use Twitter again. Finally, we should note that Twitter is denying Nicki Minaj was suspended. Tucker. Chris Gallagher, thanks so much. So here's the point that she's making probably a lot of things Nicki Minaj says that you may not agree with. You may not like her music. But the two points she's making are worth reiterating. You can't allow people to force you to take drugs that you don't want or that you don't need. It's up to you what drugs you take, period. And if you allow people to force you to take drugs you don't want, you're done. They own you. You're no longer free, period. And the second point that she's made quite a bit today is that you have a constitutional right, a moral right, a God-given right to ask simple questions and expect answers, like you're an adult, speaking to a fellow adult. And if you forfeit that right, you are no longer adult, you're no longer free, you're no longer a citizen, you're something much less than that. It's not complicated. Might be nice to have a few United States senators who are willing to say something like that and then stick to it. So it's up to Nicki Minaj to say it. You know, folks, he is um, he he's right on the money. I mean, it's just the amount of the attacks and the way that it goes and the voices that are so strong. Now, I also want to point out that is someone who... You know, she lives her life almost so much with social media. And they don't like the fact she can talk. This is also the amount of things where there's no criticism that she talks about is a little bizarre. But this is what she gets criticized for. This is what she gets criticized for. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro show on this Thursday is brought to you by Jamie's Power Wash. Call today, 401-837-4545. 401-837-4545. Jamie's Power Wash, J. Freitas Construction. You know, there's so much of the good weather left, and we've had a lot of rain. Deck staining, deck sealing, Power Wash of vinyl siding, remove the dirt, mold, mildew, bugs. Uh, Jamie's Power Wash and Deck Staining. Folks, he did it for my house. It just came out great. It looks brand new. Call today, 401-837-4545, 401-837-4545, or online at jamiespowerwash.com. Now, I want to get to, um, and I, I uh, again, want to commend, um, I want to commend the uh, the town of Johnston and Mayor Policina. I mean, unless something changes, it is um, it is really incredible what's about to happen with the Amazon distribution center that's going to take place there. And you can't ignore. I don't care what anybody says, but you can't ignore the fact that ideally, if you're the governor or you're the mayor, they, they would want something like this in Providence. But it's not. It's going to be in Johnston. I want to hear this. Breaking news. Amazon has just been given approval to build a new distribution facility in Johnston. Good evening. I'm Shannon Heggie. I'm Mike Montecalvo. It's a story we've been tracking now for months. Town councilors voted tonight to approve the $290 million project. The facility, which would be built off of Route 6, is likely to have an impact not only on the town of Johnston, but the state as a 
whole. And as you can imagine, tonight's town council meeting was packed. 12 News reporter Rob Nesbitt was there and joins us live in Johnston with what answers the town, Amazon, and state leaders provided. Rob? Shannon, I've been to a lot of town council meetings, but this is the first one where the governor showed up. Governor Dan McKee's attendance is proof of just how high priority this Amazon facility is to the entire state. Governor McKee says that he showed up to show support of the Amazon facility, saying it will help both Johnston and Rhode Island's economy. Amazon senior manager of economic development explained to council members how 1,500 full-time jobs will be created. Not everyone is excited about the 4 million square foot facility, expressing several concerns about the increase of traffic. When it comes to specifics, director of the Rhode Island Department of Transportation, Peter Alvidi, says that Amazon will be paying around $6 million to make traffic improvements. He says that will include the addition of a raised median, traffic lights, and two new access roads on Hartford Ave, as well as the widening of ramps on 295, construction that Alvidi have planned on starting in 2025, but will now be fast-tracked to this year. So instead of digging that road up twice, we'll be able to dig it up once, do both the state program safety improvements and the traffic congestion improvements that Amazon will be implementing both at the same time. This is only going to add to that opportunity. We can't lose momentum, and this is something that's going to add momentum to the state's economy. According to Mayor Joseph Policina, the facility construction will start as early as October. Amazon's goal is to have their new facility finished and up and running by spring of 2023. Reporting live in Johnson, I'm Rob Nesbitt, 12 News. Well, it's hard to downplay just what a huge win that is. But I, again, I repeat, um, it, it is remarkable. 1,500 jobs, $300 million building. Um, it is remarkable that that is not being done in Providence by the waterfront even. All that land, 195 land, or just with a, you know, when you come off 95 North, right along that stretch where you just, they had a scrap yard and this other, I mean, that land is just being wasted. But anyone that tries to do something in Providence, Providence still has a corruption uh, image about it. People, they all start having their hands out. And they apparently did not find that in the town of Johnston. But good for Mayor Policina. 1,500 jobs. Now, folks, this is also, by the way, right now there's a worker shortage. And from what we understand, Amazon pays pretty well. It's a growing company. They have a lot of perks to it. A lot of people like the idea of of working there and and um, and so this is going to be a problem for, I think, some businesses because some people are going to leave their current jobs to go work for Amazon. Now, this portion of the John DePietro show, folks, at 120, um, excuse me. Yeah, it is 121 on this Thursday is brought to you by It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Stop in and see Marie diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, right in that old white church. It's my health. Why? Vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like acai, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce, plus bark herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products. Natural skincare, hair care products, plus 
Maybe you want to get a massage, reflexology, uh, massage therapy, sound healing. Pop in and see Marie. It's my health because it's your health. Pop in there, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Folks, as always, I encourage you to visit the website, dipetro.com, which is brought by Allstate Lock. Experts in locking systems, building security, allstatelock.com, or call them at 401-349-0042. 401-349-0042 for Allstate Lock. Now, obviously, the um, big story from yesterday is the fact, uh, as far as the governor's race, that Mayor Jorge Elijah will not, in fact, be... Um, will not be back. Uh, Johnson Town Council, I just want to get more of the Amazon 20-year tax deal for Amazon Fulfillment Center is what they call it. They are coming to Johnson. They voted 20-year tax deal, a 3.8 million, 4 million square foot robotic sortable fulfillment center off Hartford Avenue. The company will pay over 7 million a year in property tax. Huh. <laughs> Holy cow. And then this is going to, you know, they're going to then give a company they have to do fund uh, road improvements, bus passes for employees. Also, kids apparently at Johnston High School can have a path to then start immediately start working there. Five million public safety programs, 50,000 youth sports programs, 100,000 to the senior center, $300 million warehouse. They're going to hire at least 1,500. I'm told it could be 2,000 people. Whew. The Amazon's annual payroll is expected to be $57 million. It's one of the largest developments in the history of the state. The project has the strong support of the building trades. Although Michael Sabatoni, oh, here we go, has acknowledged no project labor agreement is in place. Amazon has agreed to use the local trade unions for 90% of the project. Let's see how that goes. Several residents expressed concern about potential traffic issues. Policy of the said the company is committed to spend $9 million improving Hartford Avenue. Residents had the same fears about the Citizens Bank headquarters, but that area has absorbed the traffic. Um, oh, here we go. Enrique Sanchez, who's a nobody... Amazon's track record for treating employees poorly should give the council pause. Amazon doesn't care about working class families in Rhode Island. Oh, be quiet. God, why do they even give them the space? I don't understand. Representative Greg Amori running for Rhode Island Secretary of State. Folks, if this guy gets in, I'm not even saying it's lights out already, but this is like break the light instead of just lights out. Smash the light bulb. Union Hack, State Representative Greg Amori, on East Providence, union-owned Democrat, has entered the race for Secretary of State. Wow. If this guy gets in, the place was filled with union people. It was like a union meeting. I'm told that it was almost the equivalent. You know in the movie The Godfather when the beginning, the wedding scene, the FBI's running, walking around outside writing down license plates? It's kind of like that. The feds were kind of watching it. Um, 
I don't even want to hear what his... Amori said he would support a federal voting right proposal, including federal voter ID provision. Well, they, they find ways around it. Amori noted Rhode Island has voter ID law, submit a provisional ballot. They show up without the required ID. He'd like to expand the type of ID. I'm sure he would. How about this? I haven't seen any evidence the voter ID law is restrictive of any group. He says Gord B has been a tremendous Secretary of State. Yeah, tremendous amount of fraud. Ah, Rhode Island Republican Party Chairwoman Susie Yankee does not have a declared candidate for Secretary of State. I'm sure we'll have somebody. <laughs> ah, my goodness. But Alorza, Mayor Jorge Alorza, folks, him not running for governor is a credit to that people are not entirely asleep. Not entirely. Pretty blanking close, but not entirely asleep. Because if they were entirely asleep, then he would actually stand a very good chance of being elected. And that obviously did not happen. Um. Alorza, I will not run for governor. I mean, that, <laughs> well, we have to take the good news where it comes. But Johnson approves $200 million. This is actually, what a win for the governor, by the way. <sighs> Parcel of land near Route 6 and Interstate 295. See, they love the 295. They love the 295 because, you know, actually, then you don't necessarily have to deal directly with 95 traffic. So 295 has really been a big boom for the town of Johnston. It has because you have access, highway access to 95, but you don't get bogged down with all the 95 nonsense. Let's hear this is the uh, story in NBC 10. The Johnston Town Council gives its okay to the distribution center. The facility is expected to bring in thousands of jobs and millions of dollars in annual tax revenue. But the Amazon proposal did get some pushback from some people in Johnston. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm Patrice Wood. Dan Janey is off. The night team's Molly Levine was at that meeting and joins us live from the high school where it all took place. Molly? Patrice, it was definitely an impressive turnout tonight with majority of the seats filled and many of those people here in the crowd were in uh, favor of this Amazon project. Even Def- Governor Dan McKee was here and he was showing his support as well. Of course. What's really important is the fact that the people are going to benefit from the jobs. And we're going to send Johnson once again, uh, you know, uh, leads the charge in a way where, where the rest of the state uh, is also, uh, you know, trying to do the same thing. The Johnston Town Council gave the green light for an Amazon distribution center along Route 6 near Interstate 295. This is a $290 million project providing more than $7 million in annual tax revenue to the town and other financial benefits. The 3.8 million square foot construction project will create hundreds of local construction jobs for several years. Projects like this are the reasons why I had that opportunity and why the hundreds of men and women that I represent get an opportunity to change their lives, to go from a situation of struggle through hard labor to be able to move forward to say, here I am as a part of the American dream. And after construction, the facility will create 1,500 full-time permanent jobs, promising to hire local people first. We are building a national asset 
in Rhode Island, right here in Johnston, uh, that will bring the revenue that it will to support your schools, your parks, your, your general fund, uh, and will employ Rhode Islanders so gainfully. It would service not only the Northeast and New England, but it would service all of North America. While there are some concerns about environmental impacts, road safety, traffic, and noise that comes with it, I'm sure you're all aware that having a hundred trucks a day, especially during the night, will significantly increase the noise. RIDOT leaders say there will be $9 million in road improvements to keep traffic flowing safely. All these projects that we're doing uh, bring good infrastructure to the state. Now again, folks, that is the... Um, the channel uh, 10 piece on that that is a huge one listen there's obviously you know the the problems with the masks is a problem the amount of a um, lot of opposition regarding what's going on in the schools is obviously a problem but without question and again folks good afternoon at 1 30 you're listening to the john DePietro show on am 1380 and 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website depetro.com this portion of the program you know this is and i want to just um mention this we've been talking about it and you're going to talk about it even more but this is september is suicide awareness and prevention month and apparently the the big area right now where sadly there has been an epidemic of people taking their own life is men over the age of 50. And so that's why there is now a website, man, mantherapy.org. Mantherapy.org. And they say you take the 20-point head inspection. Listen, it is something that people understood don't want to talk about, but it can't be ignored. There, there definitely is. There definitely is an opioid epidemic. And anyone that monitors first responders, you have a monitor that sometime. I was speaking with a member of law enforcement the other day. On a, on a, on a Saturday afternoon, if you monitor first responders, they, the amount of people overdosing on fentanyl, it, it is, it's brutal. But there is an epidemic of men over the age of 50 that for different reasons just feel lost. So September is Suicide Prevention Month, Suicide Awareness Month. Right now, I recognize this is not a topic people don't you know want. This is not a topic people want to talk about. I fully understand that at 1.32 on this Thursday, September 16th. That's why if you uh, know of anyone, but especially apparently with men, they don't like to talk about it. They don't talk about their feelings, whatever it may be. But there are significant number of men over the age of 50 that are taking their own life. The website is mantherapy.org. Mantherapy.org. And if for whatever reason you can't remember that, if you just shoot me an email, which happens sometimes, where people say that they, um, where people say that they, you know, hear me talking about something and then they, they don't fully remember it. So you can certainly reach out after the program. But you'll see the website, mantherapy.org. 
it's a physical your feeling, as they say, but you get to keep your pants on. So they, they try to be humorous about it, explore men's mental health results. Now, folks, as I've, I won't get into too much detail, but if you go on to the, um, the website, mantherapy.org, you, you can then just see where you, uh, they have video and they call it a 20 point head inspection. But I've, I, um, and then you can see, you know, some of the questions. How often in the last month do you get enough sleep to feel refreshed? And then you, you know, uh, check off whatever that may be. And then uh, on average, how long does it take you to fall asleep? And then you go through various questions. In the past month, how often have you felt sad, down, blue, hopeless, depressed? Um, and you go through how has your appetite been over the last month? So you answer that question. Um, the reason that I mention this, then this is how, how do you view yourself? I'm a fan. Most days I'm pretty confident. Um, then some people feel lousy. And then you get to question seven. What about suicidal thirts or hurting yourself? Do you ever think about that? Um, then, you know, answer that. I've mentioned that this past spring, number one, I knew of someone that I had not seen in a while. And it's been tough with the pandemic because that's happened to a lot of people. And then also with um, with graduations, I noticed that it was really, it was uh, very sad that there were a number of graduates, both high school and college, that they... The children had to go to their high school, college graduation, and and their father was not there because, in fact, in the in the you know past month or two months, they had taken taken their own life. So, so, and and this is not you know you hear a lot about teens or you know various people or individuals. These are men, you know, seemingly well adjusted. Families, um, and then you know, get to that stage. So that's why you're going to during the course of this month, you'll hear us talk about it. And again, the website mantherapy.org, and um, and then you just kind of go through. So and uh, and and folks, again, um, th- this is one of those conversations that you it, it's different for everybody. And, you know, go through the um, various questions they have. But it's, it's one of those things you could send to a family member or just say to somebody. Because, again, I, I totally get that it's not like the most um, easy question that people, uh, you know, want to get into or anything. So, anyhow. Go log on to the website, mantherapy.org. Folks, at 137, it's Juan, it's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, depetro.com. So the um, that, that Johnston Center, though, that is incredible. And there's other big news, actually, for, for Governor McKee. Groundbreaking ceremony at Twin River. How about Bally's? It's going to have a new... $100 million expansion. And I'm looking at a photo. 
and I see Governor McKee, and I see Senate President Dominic Ruggiero, and I see Speaker Joe Sakachi. Um, who else? Who else do I spy? I see the Lieutenant Governor. I think I think you see some labor leaders there. Looks like Sabatoni, folks. It is it is remarkable the hold that organized labor continues to just have on the state. It just is. Um, and I, I don't I don't know if it's going away anytime soon. That's for sure. But basically you you can't get seemingly anything done without if in fact you don't have because the politicians are just absolutely owned by them. Absolutely owned by them meaning organized labor. So it's not easy. It's not easy for businesses. I'm very anxious to see what happens with this Amazon situation. Because Amazon, they don't, the reason Amazon's been successful is because they don't have the unions breathing down the neck all the time and uh, infiltrating. If anything, see, they and the big tech, the unions can't get in there because they pay their people well and they treat their people very well. So... It's very tough for the unions to try to get a foothold in there as much as they would like to. Now, I also want to play, this is the piece on ABC about this uh, General Mark Milley. I want to um, play some of this because uh, I think this guy's a, just disgrace. Republicans, and now it turns out that he wasn't the only top official trying to reassure the Chinese. Our chief Washington correspondent John Carl has the story. Asked if Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley did the right thing by undermining then-President Trump, President Biden offered Milley an enthusiastic endorsement. Thank you, General Milley. Go. Thank you. I have great confidence in General Milley. And a spokesperson for Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said Austin also has, quote, full trust in Milley. The show of confidence comes as Milley is facing harsh criticism and calls for his resignation over his actions during the final weeks of Donald Trump's presidency, as reported in the new book by Bob Woodward and Robert Costa. The book reports Milley took extraordinary actions to undermine Trump's authority, even reaching out directly to China because he believed Trump's erratic behavior could lead to war. Spokesperson for General Milley confirmed some of the major revelations in the book. His calls with the Chinese and others in October and January, Milley's spokesperson said, were in keeping with his duties and responsibilities, conveying reassurance in order to maintain strategic stability. Chris Miller, who served as acting defense secretary during the final two months of the Trump presidency said he never authorized Milley's contacts with China and called Milley's actions, quote, a disgraceful and unprecedented act of insubordination, adding that Milley must resign immediately. But ABC News has learned Milley was not the first Pentagon official to reach out to China. It was actually former defense secretary Mark Esper who first reached out to China shortly before the election to assure them the United States would not launch a military attack. Milley's first contact came after that and was authorized by then-Secretary Esper, a top former defense official told ABC News. It was Donald Trump who chose General Milley to be the Joint Chiefs Chairman, but now he is saying Milley should be tried for treason. And General Milley will find himself in the hot seat later this month as he appears before Congress, sure to face tough questions about Afghanistan and now about whether he undermines civilian control of the military. George? Meantime, John, President Biden has reached a new agreement with Australia to counter China. You know, I don't understand how that is not.
completely undermining the president of the United States. And folks, and again, at 141, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. If if that, and we know the we know the deal. If that had been, um, if the the roles had been reversed, then they they would have been they would have been all over. If there was any way that Trump was tied in, you know, what else is another interesting story, folks. Is um, this missing woman who? Uh, I mean, talk about an unusual story where then the boyfriend is in no way cooperating. Let me play. This is the uh, piece they have. The Florida man named Brian Laundry, Gabby Petito, missing. Him, this is the uh, ABC we'll piece. from the chief of police leading the case in just a moment. But first, Trevor Alt has the latest. Good morning, Trevor. Good morning, Michael. Yeah, it seems the nation is searching for Gabby Petito. Tito, but her boyfriend, Brian Laundry is not. Brian came back home to Florida without Gabby. He seems to be holed up with his parents, and he's not speaking with her family or investigators. And this morning, we have a new look at a confrontation with the couple just weeks ago where police were called in. Overnight, five days into the urgent search for Gabby Petito, authorities releasing new body cam video following an incident between her and boyfriend turned person of interest, Brian Laundrie. What's going on? What's going on? Are Days before Petito was last seen, officers responding to a 911 call about an argument outside a convenience store in Utah near Arches National Park. They find Gabby visibly upset, separating her from laundry immediately. You wouldn't let me in the car According to the police report, Petito reportedly hit Laundry in the face. In the body camera video, the scratches were evident. In the report, responding officers saying the incident seemed to be less of a domestic dispute and more of a mental emotional health break. No charges were filed, the two agreeing to separate for the night. Before the Utah incident, leading up to Gabby's disappearance, the couple had been on a cross-country road trip in this white van, documenting their travels on YouTube and Instagram. Fine stretching, doing some morning yoga. But on September 1st, Laundry returned to the Northport, Florida home where the couple lived with his parents, with the van, but without Gabby. Details of that road trip, now the key to finding her. Gabby Petito was last seen August 24th, checking out of a hotel with Laundry in Salt Lake City, Utah. Her mother says the next day was the last time she spoke with Gabby, who told her they were in Grand Teton, Wyoming, on their way to Yellowstone. We need to know exactly... Uh where he was, where she was, their last locations. Investigators say they tried to talk with Laundry Saturday. His attorney doubling down in a statement saying Mr. Laundry will continue to remain silent on the advice of counsel because they believe any statement made will be used against you. Overnight, Gabby's family telling us they only have one question for him. There's one question that matters. Where did you last see Gabby? That's the question that matters right now. And Gabby's family is calling Brian's silence reprehensible. They're trying to help out with the search. Gabby's stepfather is in Wyoming, but without Brian talking, officials say he is hindering the investigation. George. Okay, Trevor, thanks very much. Let's bring in the chief of police now, Todd Garrison. Chief Garrison, thank you for joining us this morning. First of all, just explain what it means now that Brian Landry is a person of interest. 
Well, you know, two people went on a trip and one person returned, and uh, that one person is not talking to us. Um, all of our information is being directed through the attorney, and he's got all the answers. Um, so, you know, my number one question is, where's Gabby? What do you make of the fact that he's not talking to you? Well, you know, it, everybody has rights, and we'll respect the Constitution and, and, and their rights. Um, I, I can't speculate why he's not talking, but he has the pieces to the puzzle that we need to be able to find Gabby. You're trying to get other pieces as well, but are you trying to get a search warrant for the boyfriend's home? Right now, everything that we are doing is... Uh, methodically being done. Um, right now, we are not trying to obtain a search warrant for the home. Uh, we don't have a crime in this. Um, we are investigating a missing person. You did find the van they were driving in. Can you tell us any more about what you found there? There, there are some things in the van that we are analyzing right now. Uh, whether or not they have any evidentiary value is, is too early to tell. And we know there was some kind of an altercation between the two of them when they were in Utah. Police were called to the scene. Uh, do you believe that's connected to the disappearance, and what more do we know about that? All we know is that they did have a disturbance, and they were separated that night, and at some point they, they returned together. Um, but, you know, it's not uncommon that people have uh, disagreements in relationships. So whether or not that has anything to do with the disappearance or not, we're still sorting through all that data. And what are your next steps? Uh, right now we're still going through all the uh, electronic data and, and uh, financials and, and everything that we possibly can go through. You know, we have hundreds and hundreds of tips coming in and we have to sort through all those tips and you know we're we're just trying to find where gabby's at any other persons of interest right now no folks can you imagine i mean and again good afternoon it's john DePietro, 147 on this thursday you have this couple they go on a trip and two people go on a trip and only one returns. I mean, again, you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes or Columbo. But he's not talking. He's not talking to police in any way. So, and apparently, I was also seeing that someone was texting with the mother. Now, the bottom line here is this young woman should not have gone on the trip with this guy. Bottom line, wasn't safe. God almighty, now it's just a matter. Will he keep his mouth shut or will he break and then let them know what happened and where she is? So now he is not answering anything. Um, he's not doing the Scott Peterson who was then handing out flyers and trying to help find her. He's not doing that. He's just not anything. Hired an attorney. So... A little bit of a mystery. Is it possible that she fell and something happened to her? Yes. Is it possible that she took off and left him? I mean, I, I don't know. There's so much speculation. But he's not saying a word. Folks, this portion of the program at 149 on this Thursday is brought to you by J. Kale Engineering. Now, if you're listening right now, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, petro.com. If you're listening right now, listen, I hate to break the news to you because it is warm out, actually muggy, but winter will be coming. J.K.L. Licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, J.K.L. can reduce your oil bill 
by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market. They also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. JKL, 54 years in business. If you're listing right now in Rentham or in Franklin or Bellingham or Douglas, call JKL. Estimates of refinancing is available. 401-351-7600. JKL, they do it right. They do it right the first time. Call JKL Engineering today at 401-351-7600. So, um, all right, now what's, what's this one? Oh, okay. I thought it had to do with the shooting in Warren. No, it did not. Uh, let me just play the Channel 10 piece. Mayor Jorge Elijah is not running for governor. I like he's, you. well, you know, I want to spend more time with baby Fromar, and I'm pretty busy being mayor. Folks, that's not it. Again, his polling numbers, he, listen, this guy, though, has $1 million, which is frightening when you think about it, that people would actually donate him in that way. But here's the uh, piece from NBC 10. Mayor Jorge Alorza announcing that he will not run for governor of Rhode Island Jorge in 2022. Elijah. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Patrice Wood. And I'm Gene Valisette. The events, months of speculation and narrows the field and comes after weeks of withering criticism on so many fronts for the mayor. As NBC 10's Sam Reed reports live tonight. Sam? Jean Patrice, Mayor Alorza says running for governor is something he's been looking into for the past year. But says over the past six months, things became more clear that he shouldn't run, and this was a, fam- a decision he made with his family. Just something that doesn't make sense for me. Um, and two things really weighed, weighed uh, heaviest. Being a devoted dad and a family man and a commitment to the city of Providence, Mayor Jorge Alorza says for the next 15 months, he'll focus on his current role. You just can't do this job as mayor full-time and run a statewide campaign full-time. Despite raising a million in cash on hand for his campaign, Alorza says he's only looking at what's ahead of him now, comparing the rest of his term as that of a relay race. So when I pass that baton off to the next person, that person is going to inherit a city that's in far better position than I inherited. News that he's not running spread quickly among other Democratic gubernatorial candidates. I think they'll all be happy. Every single one of them. (laughs) Just yesterday, General Treasurer Seth Magaziner threw his hat in the ring. Announcing today that I am a candidate for governor. Ah. Today we asked for his reaction and were issued this statement not mentioning Alorza. Secretary of State Nellie Gorbea announced her running a few months ago. Her team issuing us... This statement saying, in part, I appreciate Mayor Alorza's public service and respect his decision to focus on his young family and the city of Providence. Dr. Louis Munoz of Pawtucket is running, too. I think the mayor made a difficult decision. Um, I respect the decision. He says, although Alorza opted out, he's eager for a year of campaigning. I have a a a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Um, it's It's a healthy tension between wanting to spend more time with your child and to be a good parent and then to also improve the world that they're growing up in. Alorza says it's too early to say who he'll support, but now he's focused on getting things back on track in Providence. There's not a single person in this state or in this city or this state can say that I haven't worked my tail off in this job for the I past would. seven years. I would. Now, Alorza said while running for governor isn't in his cards right now, that's not to say that his future in politics is over. He says he'll cross that bridge when he gets there. You know what's interesting, folks, about that? And again, that is, um, I don't know her, but reporter Sam Reed for uh, Channel 10. They had her doing 
like good news type stories. And now all of a sudden they're they're using it for that. Folks, right now, uh, good afternoon at 1.53. It's John DePietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, another story, and we mentioned it in the first hour with our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Gordy Arntz, Cranston Sports Phenomenon, turned former head tennis coach at Georgetown. Will admit to profiting more than $3 million in the Varsity Blues college admission scandal. Agreed this week, plead guilty. Five charges, conspiracy to commit federal program, programs bribery, three counts of uh, federal programs bribery, filing false tax returns. In exchange, they are asking him serve no less than one, up to four years in prison. Seven counts were dismissed under the deal. Ernst must forfeit assets that include his Falmouth home, Plus $3.4 million, a sum equal to the amount authorities say he derived from his crimes. How about that? Whew. Entered his plea agreement Monday, just as the first trial got underway in federal court. His attorney, Tracy Minor, declined comment. Golden boy, Rhode Island high school sports in the 80s. Ernst led the state tennis hockey. Then he went to Brown and played both. Son of the legendary Ocean State sports figure, the late Dick Ernst. Coached high school hockey, tennis, Rhode Island. Gordy Ernst played tennis professionally before launching his university coaching career at Northwestern. 2006, he got the job at Georgetown, giving private lessons to stars to decline too, including members of the Obama family. It's not long after he arrived, authorities said he became entangled with Rick Singer, college coach admission consultant, mastermind of the bribery scheme. Singer's the one helping families get in First of all, cheat on standardized tests, but then helping them get in. Singer sometimes paid off coaches like Ernst. Between 2007 and 2018, Singer paid Ernst $2.7 million in bribes under the guise of, quote, consulting fees. At other times, parents would email checks to Ernst directly for false claims about their children's tennis prowess in order to gain admission. Exchange for the bribes, Ernst successfully designated 12 clients as tennis recruits. Some of them did not even play tennis. Of all the coaches and administrators indicted in the case, Ernst stood out as having the longest running relationship with Singer and of being accused of fielding the most money. Pro's length of a sentence would be the longest so far in the case. So, according to Georgetown, they placed him on leave in December 2015 after discovering irregularities in the athletic and other credentials of two separate students being recruited to play tennis. University uh, investigation found Ernst violated university rules concerning admissions. In February 2018, they asked him to resign effective June 30th. In August of 2018, Ernst was hired head woman tennis coach, URI. And then he resigned before his arraignment in 2019. Mike Sosick, a sports writer for the Journal, remains stunned. Put it simple, it's a tragic story. He was top of the heap when it came to high school athletics. He had it all. Reached at home, he said, uh, and not heard Ernst agreed to plead case. Never in a million years. Well, here's the thing, though, folks, is, you know, with the problem is you have the fame and you know these famous people, but being the head tennis coach 
whether it's at Brown or URI, it's one of those things. Listen, it's a great gig, but it just it doesn't pay for the type of lifestyle they, that you want to live. Right. That's really what um, it comes down to. So um, it, as much as like, think of that, you're you're in uh, you're in D.C., you're going to the White House. And you're playing tennis with the Obamas. And but at the same time, it, it just it's not that lucrative. So tennis coach, if you just go average salary, might be thirty thousand, maybe ninety thousand. I think at Georgetown, I think it was I think he was getting paid that. For some reason, that number sticks out in my my mind. Even though, so the the the, the most valuable thing he has, the most uh, valuable thing that he has is his ability to get people into the school. That's what people are willing to pay for, right? That's what they're willing to and pay big money for. All right. Right now, folks, at 159, it's John DePietro. Now, coming up, you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news and then the John DePietro program. We're going to be back tomorrow at 11. Remember, visit the website, DePietro.com, which is brought to you by Soul Source Restoration. Fire, smoke damage, water damage, mold remediation, Soul Source, S-O-L-E, SoulSourceRestoration.com. And then there's a link at the website for both, uh, you can contact them in Rhode Island and or Massachusetts. It's John DePietro. Listen, enjoy this Thursday. We are back tomorrow at 11. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. And then it'll be the, on the John Dion program. I will be doing Facebook Live later. And then we also do our Facebook Live stream when there is breaking news. But go to the website. Same thing if you want to reach me. WNRI Winsocket.